Uh, grab your Bibles, if you would, and turn over to the book of Exodus. Book of Exodus. Grab the book of Exodus and the book of Romans. Exodus chapter 2. Hold that spot, and we'll go over to Romans chapter 8. Exodus chapter 2. And then Romans chapter 8 is where we'll be. I said, we'll, we'll start over in Romans chapter 8, and then we'll make our way over to Exodus here in just a moment. But uh, Romans chapter 8, and the Lord says here in uh, Paul writing to the church of Rome, he says in verse number 18, Romans chapter 8, verse 18, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he then yet hope for? But if, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray as we ought, uh, pray for as we ought, uh, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. I'm going to stop there, but uh, here we are, and in Romans chapter 8, we're uh, dealing, ultimately, he is speaking, and uh, you notice the word occurs repeatedly in the passage, uh, groaning. There's a groaning that's happening. Now, uh, if you're here on, uh, on Wednesday nights, uh, Pastor Legault opens with a joke, and we all groan. Those are, see, those are groanings, um, and uh, you he pulls it out and he goes, okay, and we see the paper come up and we all just groan a little bit. Um, and that's groaning in pain, together in pain. That's what we're doing. Um, we're groaning. Uh, but the truth is, groanings, we, we think about that. We think about that moment that you and I, you know, you're, you're dealing with things, you're struggling with things, the, the weight and the burden. He's talking here, he starts off the passage, the sufferings of this present moment. Uh, the, the sufferings of the time that you and I are living in and, and the troubles that we have and the problems that we have often cause us to groan and to call out to God. The groanings and even near the end of the passage that we read where the Spirit goes ahead and groanings which can't be uttered, He goes ahead and translates for us. And the problems and the troubles and the groanings that we have, that everybody has. Groaning. The creation itself is groaning and travailing with us. It's groaning and travailing because the world is in such a mess. It is not the way that God made it in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. It is not the creation that Adam and Eve were walking in. It's a fallen, terrible version. 
And mankind's wickedness is great upon the earth even today. And mankind's sin has brought about groanings. And mankind's failures have brought about groanings. And the rejection of Jesus Christ brings about groanings. And the troubles and the problems that you and I have bring about groanings. And there is not a place on this earth where mankind is that there's not groanings. And just hoping to get past pain and suffering. Hoping to endure just a little longer. You said, boy, this doesn't even sound very encouraging this morning already. But you realize that throughout the scriptures, throughout the entirety of the Bible, men have groaned. And the Lord has answered. And this morning I want to preach on groanings answered. Groanings answered. Uh, there are groanings throughout the Bible, and I'm not going to cover all of them every place that the word groaning shows up, but uh, there's, there's people that are crying out, and they're crying out in their pain, they're crying out in their sufferings, they're crying out in their annoyances, and in their, pain, in their painstaking time that they have to deal with things, and they're groaning, and they're going, Lord, could this just be done? And we're going to look at some things, we're going to look at four things that are groaning. And the Lord's answer for each one. Let's go back to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll start reading there in Exodus. Father, I thank you for the day and I thank you for the goodness and the mercies of a holy God. I thank you that we can come together today in freedom and be able to open up a Bible and be able to preach the Word of God and come and hear and come sing praises to our Savior. And Father, you've given us great liberty to be able to do so today. And Father, I pray we wouldn't squander the liberties you've given us today. Father, to proclaim the Word of God as well as to be able to listen and to do something with it. And Father, I pray you'd help us today. Lord, I pray if someone has come in this morning or is listening this morning that has never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd make today the day of salvation. They call upon Jesus Christ alone, that the groanings that they're dealing with would be able to be taken care of by a wonderful God who can save to the uttermost. If they'd be willing to trust Him, He'd be willing to save. Father, for those of us who are saved, I pray You'd help us, Lord, to get a better glimpse and to get a better reality that, Lord, we may be groaning today, but there's a great day of redemption coming where the Father's going to go ahead and take care of it all. Lord, we love you and we pray you'd help us this morning to be encouraged that our groanings may be today and our troubles may be today, but Father, there's a great day coming in the morning. And so, Father, we pray you'd bless in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here we are in Exodus chapter 2, and if you're unfamiliar with the Bible, I guess, uh, you wouldn't understand that the Exodus has the children of Israel in bondage. Uh, they're, they're in captivity in Egypt. Now, they didn't start that way. They came down. Joseph was in power there in the book of Genesis. And Joseph had power, and he was reigning as second only to Pharaoh. And he brought his family down to protect them during the famine. And they come down, and they dwell in the land of Goshen. And after a while, there arose a Pharaoh that knew not Joseph. And they forgot their history. See that? Uh, men, men that forget what happened in history often lose. They lose out on the blessings that God could give and the protection that he'd offer if they'd remember. Uh, by the way, the Lord wants you to remember all the things He does for you, uh, and I won't get into all that this morning. Uh, but the problem that, we had, that, that the children of Israel had was there was a Pharaoh that rose up, and he didn't know the history, and he didn't know who these people were. So instead, he subjugates them and puts them in bondage and goes ahead and makes them his, his task force, his workforce. 
And he goes ahead and he's got them and they're building bricks and they're slime for mortar and they're going ahead and they're building bricks and they're building and they're doing everything that Pharaoh wants them to do. They're bondmen. Uh, they're not living a life. They're not living a victorious life. They're stuck in bondage. And he says in verse number, 20, uh, verse number 23 here in Exodus chapter 2, And it came to pass in, the proce- in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. This is a group of people stuck in bondage. They're stuck and they're crying out for deliverance. They're crying out to get under the weight and the burdens of bondage. And the Bible tells us very plainly in the book of Psalms especially, or in the book of Proverbs uh, succinctly in chapter 5, verse number 22, he reminds us that we're holding with the cords of our sins. There's a bondage that has come. There's a bondage that comes in every person's life. They wake up and they realize that they have done wrong, that they have sinned against the God of the universe. And the truth is that every man has sinned. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible makes it plain that mankind is sinful and there is a punishment for that sin. And that sin is a lake of fire for all of eternity. Mankind in their sinful state, you know what they are? They're in bondage to their sin. They're holding to it. He reminds us in the book of Romans that we were bondmen. We were in bondage to sin. He says that when we were made free from sin, we became the servants of righteousness. Well, that implies that before we weren't freed from sin, we were in bondage. You look at a world and you go, well, I don't know. Can people really be in bondage to sin? Can they be really tied up in that like it's, like it's such a terrible thing? Uh, go ahead and we'll take it to an extreme here for just a moment. Uh, but you go ahead and find out if, if someone on drugs and alcohol and all those, all those things, uh, someone taking crack cocaine and doing all that stuff, you don't think they're holding with the cords of that thing, that they're in bondage to it? Well, I want to quit and I want to quit and I want to get it right. Well, why can't you get it right? Because you're still holding in the cords of those sins. Why do you keep sinning the way that you do? Well, because you're allowing it to have hold and bondage and put you into bondage. Have you ever groaned about the things you've done? You looked at your life and you said, Lord, why am I still stuck there? Why am I still in bondage to that? Why am I still trapped there? You know, the Lord Jesus Christ said He came to set the captive free. He said He he came to release you. From your prisons. And the sad reality is that a lost man can figure out, I'm in trouble because I'm holding with all this stuff. It's got me buried. It's got me trapped. And he cries out in his bondage. And you know what he can have? He can have deliverance. The Lord will hear the prayer of the man who wants to get out of the bondage of his sin if he trusts Jesus Christ alone. The Bible wants and makes it very plain to us that there's salvation in Jesus Christ alone. The Bible says, neither is there salvation or any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's Jesus Christ alone in Him that can save to the uttermost all them that will trust in Him. It's Him 
that paid the debt of our sins. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. And the sinner groans. And you know what he groans? He groans, Lord, I need to be out of, my, I need to be out of the bondage I'm stuck in. And the lost man cries out to realize that there's a price that goes with my sin. There's a lake of fire awaiting every sinner. But there's a Savior, a Deliverer waiting to deliver you if you want it. You don't have to spend a lake, an eternity in a lake of fire. God didn't want you to go. He still doesn't want you to go. He loved you so much He gives His own Son to pay the price of all of your sins. He loves you so much that He'd be willing to give His life a ransom for many and lay it down so that you could have life. And the sinner groans, I don't want the life I have now. The sinner groans, give me deliverance, I just want a victory. How come we're still stuck in bondage? And the Lord says, I can set you free. I give you liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. I can give you liberty. You know what's sad? Is the lost man hears that and he cries out to God and he groans in his tribulation and he groans in his troubles. And you know what he says? Well, I don't want that way out. Have you ever dealt with somebody who you go ahead and you give them the right answer and you tell them, you give them some scripture, you tell them what they need to do and you show them and they, and they go, yeah, yeah, I got it. I just don't want to do that. Now, they didn't say it that way, probably. Uh, they said things like, well, okay, yeah, 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 I see that, yeah. And then they leave and don't do it. <laughs> I may not have told you, well, I'm not doing that. But in, that's what they did. They ignored it. So why does a sinner not get deliverance? Because he ignored the deliverer. He didn't care what the deliverer could do for him. He didn't care whether God would come and deliver. He goes, I don't want to go that way. And the Bible says, okay, well, there's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And the lost man's going to go ahead and he goes, well, I don't want to trust Jesus Christ. That doesn't seem right. I think I'm just going to have to go and do this myself. You've been trying it yourself. What of the children of Israel got themselves out of bondage? Now, what of those people got out of bondage because of great things they had done? The only way they got out was by a mighty hand of a holy God dropping down more plagues than Egypt could handle. And finally, they're giving them all their stuff and telling them to get out. By the time the firstborn son of everybody in Egypt died, they're going, no, take our stuff and go. Just go. Anything you want, take it and get out of here. We're tired of this. They were ready. They were ready to let him go. Why? Because of a mighty God who can deliver. And he provides a great deliverance. And he tells the lost man, he says, hey, how shall you escape if you neglect so great salvation? How can you escape an eternity in a lake of fire if God isn't the Savior? You won't. You won't. Jesus Christ is the only one. He is it. He's the Savior. And then the lost man looks around, and you know the sad reality of, it, of the life of a Christian? Although he's a saint. Now, uh, I, agree, I agree fully with Pastor. You, you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. You're a saint. You're declared righteous by God for all of eternity. That's your eternal state. Your eternal state is that you're saved forever. 
But we get into a life, uh, I won't ask you to raise your hand because that'd be awkward, right? Uh, but we'd all do it probably. What if I were to ask you, well, uh, do you have a besetting sin that holds on to you still after you got saved? Some you still fight and you still struggle with. You feel like that thing's still tied to you a little bit here and there. Okay. Didn't he set you free from that too? Well, he did. And don't you ever cry out to God and go, God, I don't know why I can't, vi- I can't get victory on this. Don't you ever cry out to him and go, Lord, I need your help. You know what he wants to do? He wants to deliver you that too. And oftentimes, he's already told you how to get out of it. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will also with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. The sad truth for the Christian is they live like a sinner that's still in bondage, even though they're supposed to live like a saint. They go ahead, and I've used this illustration before, but they go ahead, and they were in prison, and they're sitting there in their jail cell, and they're sitting there, and they're sitting on that bed, and the Lord comes by, and He opens the door. He walks in. If they're shackled, He unshackles them, and He says, okay, let's go. And you know what they do? I'll be out in a minute. Say, why do they do that? Because they don't want to follow Him. They're used to their prison. And they cried out for a deliverer, and the deliverer showed up, but they just sit in their prison. They can walk out anytime they want to. The doors open, the chains are released. They can get out of the prison they put themselves in, but now they stay there because they choose to. Maybe today you're groaning for a deliverer, and you just, he showed up. But you're still living like a sinner because you won't get out of your own prison that you've made. You're holding and it's not because the Lord didn't cut the cords. It's because you still think you ought to just stay there. The sad truth is too many Christians live in their prison cell that the Lord already delivered them from. If they'd be willing to take His way instead of their way, they'd have deliverance. They'd have it. He made you more than conquerors, didn't He? More than a conqueror. You say, what's more than a conqueror? An annihilator? (laughs) You didn't just conquer it. You wiped it and leveled it out. The children of Israel, wasn't that supposed to be their task when they went to the promised land? Wasn't that Saul's task in in that big first battle right there? He was supposed to level the place. Don't leave anything breathing. Don't leave anything talking. Don't leave anything. And Samuel shows up, right? And he goes, what means here the bleeding of the sheep? And what's this king doing still alive? And why do we have prisoners? Aren't these supposed to all be dead? Isn't this supposed to be a quiet little graveyard over here? Hey, what happened? He didn't take the victory God wanted to give him. He only took what he wanted to take. Doesn't that typify the Christian? You'll get the victories you want if you do it God's way. He'd annihilate some things, and you know what wouldn't happen? You wouldn't have some enemies still kicking around that you can't get a victory over. I groaned. Okay, well, the Lord answers. 
He sent a deliverer. The Lord Jesus Christ is the greatest deliverer there will ever be. And he's done it. He's done it. He's made it so you don't have to spend eternity in a lake of fire. And he made it so that you don't have to spend this life holding to all the cords of the sins that you think you have to be. Victory is there. It's just if you'll follow him. That sounds too simple. Isn't that what they told you about your salvation? That sounds too simple. Turn over to the book of John chapter 11, if you would. John chapter 11. I will say this about it before I move on to this next spot. Why is it that we think God makes complicated plans? He's a complex God and he's got the plan all laid out and I understand. I mean, you think about God, he's, he's complex. <laughs> you and I don't have the mind or the ability or the thought process to be able to figure out God. But God's plans aren't really complicated. How many plans do you have in the Bible where God was like, this is going to be really complicated for everybody? You take, you take Moses about to lead the children of Israel out, and Moses is like, boy, I don't know, what am I going to do? And the Lord says, you just show up and just do what I told you to do. Well, that's real hard. It sounds like a complicated plan. You say, well, that was really complicated. Do you realize the only things Moses did were things like, well, put your hand in your bosom and then pull it back out. <laughs> that's not difficult. I just did that. That's not really hard. Throw down your rod. Okay. All right, pick it back up. <laughs> hey, put your rod uh, in the water right there. He didn't ask Moses to do anything crazy. He didn't, there was no great difficult task, and he brought down the largest and most amazing empire of his day. Brought it to its knees because of the might of the power of God and delivered his people because of what he did. What great thing did Moses do? Not much. <laughs> now the people of Egypt thought he was a god like their pharaoh. But Moses knew better. Because the excellency is not of us. The deliverance is not me. I'm not the deliverer, but I know him. And he can deliver. Look at John chapter 11. You have the sinners grown, and here you have the Savior. Now, I won't read the whole passage because I'd have to read over half the chapter here, but uh, we know what's happening. Mary and Martha have called to Jesus because Lazarus was sick and the sickness was unto death, and they wanted him to come, and he doesn't come. He waits, he tarries, and he purposely waits. And then he shows up, according to Martha and Mary, ultimately he showed up late. If thou hast been here, my brother had not died. That's what both of them said. If you'd have been here, it, this wouldn't have happened this way. And the Lord shows up, and in verse 32, Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him. 
And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Now he's about to roll the stone away. He's about to go ahead and say, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus about to raise from the dead and walk out. One of the most amazing miracles that Jesus does in the sight of everyone. But he's groaning on his approach. Doesn't Jesus know what he's about to do? He did. The whole plan was set up by him. He purposely waited until Lazarus is dead so that he could show up and do the exact miracle he's about to do. He planned it. He could have left, gotten there, saved Lazarus, healed him, nothing special. He healed all these other people. He's been healing people for chapter after chapter after. That's what he does. But to show up here at this particular moment, you can read the scripture, you can read through the Gospels. If you've never read the Gospels, you find out Martha and Mary and Lazarus were very particular to Jesus. They were friends. He ate at their home. They took care of him. They tried to bless and take care of Jesus Christ as he was here. They always tried to be a blessing to him and a help to him. And the Lord, they had a special place with him. And he shows up that day, and you know what he came in with? The Savior's groan. You know why he's groaning? He's groaning in sympathy for their losses. He's not groaning because he, oh man, what am I going to do? He was groaning because he knew the suffering he had to put them through so that they could see the greatness of who he is. That's deep right there. You realize that the God of all the universe knows everything he needs to put you through to bring you to the place he needs you to be, Christian? And we don't like it. Mary and Martha aren't real thrilled about the fact that their brother is dead, laid in a grave. Jesus could have stopped it. Isn't that the world's complaint? Why didn't God stop it? Why didn't he just, why didn't he just make bad people do good things? I mean, he's God. Doesn't he have all the power? Jesus Christ, literally on the face of the earth, could have walked over and literally could have stopped Lazarus from dying. And they could have had four days with their brother that they didn't lose. But they wouldn't have seen the power of God show up the way that it did. You say, yeah, but I don't like what he's doing. I don't like how I feel. I don't like the trouble I'm in. I don't like the problems he's causing. I don't like what's happening around me. I hate my circumstances. I feel terrible. I feel awful. I don't like this. This is not the way that I thought it should go. This is not the way that it should be. I thought the Lord loved me. I thought he was going to take care of me. I thought everything was going to be great. I mean, we're supposed to be close. We're supposed to be good friends. He promised me. And the Lord says, I promised I'd never leave thee nor forsake thee. I didn't promise you skies always blue and flower-strewn pathways all our lives through. But I did promise that I'd give you grace for your trials. I did promise I'd give you my strength and my might. I did promise that I wouldn't leave you alone and I wouldn't leave you comfortless. Say, uh, is it better that God, wouldn't it be better if God could just take away all the troubles? Well, amazingly enough, some of the greatest things you and I have are because of the troubles we've gone through. 
or the troubles somebody else has gone through that let you know the greatness of God. We could do this all day. I'm just going to give you the one. Most of you know the story of it as well with my soul. That song is one of the most powerful and blessed songs that I have ever heard. The times of trouble and the times that you feel overwhelmed and the times that you feel the grief and the pressure and the pain of what is going on in your life and the Lord reaches over and just says, don't worry, it's all okay. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. And Horatio Spafford penning those words over the place where he lost his family into the depths of the ocean. And his wife writes him back and just says, saved alone. His daughter's dead. He's over the spot. He asked the captain to let him know when they're over the spot that the ship went down. And he starts writing those words. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say. It is well. It is well with my soul. That wouldn't be there. You wouldn't have that. Unless Horatio Spafford was allowed to have some loss. You realize that a, I, don't, I don't know the numbers. Literally thousands of hymns were written and poems were written by Fanny Crosby. A girl who grows up blind. And she wasn't blind from birth, she was made blind. How could the Lord let that happen? Well, then you get songs like, I don't know, a million of them. <laughs> I shall know him. I shall know him by the prints of the nails in his hands. And over and over and over again. You realize that you and I would not have salvation if there wasn't for the suffering of a Savior. You and I wouldn't have a Bible if it weren't for the suffering of folks who were willing to lay down their lives so you could have it. Say, so why would God let that happen? Because He didn't promise to give you no troubles. He promised to be a comforter when you're in, in troubles. The storms of life will always rage and the troubles and the trials will always come. And you and I, until a trumpet sounds or the Lord just takes us home and we end this life and we step off into the next, you and I are going to be groaning over our troubles and the Lord's going to go, don't worry, I'm still here. Job makes the statement, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's an amazing statement. The Lord, Lord you could kill me, but I know you're right. And the troubles are here and the problems are here, but I know you're right. Lord, I know that my brother's dead laying in a grave right here, but I know you're the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. The Lord goes, I can comfort you forever if you'd let me just go ahead and in sympathy groan with you. Sometimes we get through our troubles because we recognize we're not alone. And all of our troubles. His promise is still true. You may be groaning this morning because of the troubles you're in. Because of the things out of your control. 
the things that you really don't want to happen and you think, I don't know why this, this, and this is not fair. And the Lord says, yeah, but I'm the God of all comfort. And you don't understand it now, but I got a really good plan. And it's my plan. And his plans always work. They always work. So then I can trust his plan. And in sympathy, when the Savior groans, I can understand that sympathy is because he wants to be with me. And he feels the heartache. And he feels the trouble. And he feels the problem. And he says, hey, I'm here with you. I'm here. I'm here. I'm not leaving. And when the time comes, I'm going to raise Lazarus. You just got to trust that I know what time it is. And he raises Lazarus. Look back over at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I know this seems, this seems heavy, and it is. But I don't know about you. When I'm tired of my sin and I want to cry out to the Lord and I'm going, Lord, I don't know why I'm not winning. It's a comfort to me to know i got to deliver. Uh, it's a comfort to me when I'm in trouble and I'm having problems and I don't know what to do. And the Lord goes, don't worry, I'm with you. I care. Does Jesus care? Yeah, he cares. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Say, what's he going to do? He's going to work a far more exceeding and eternal weight and glory. Whatever he's going to do. He says, this, I reckon this, this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that should be revealed in us. Look down at verse number 26. We read it earlier. You have the sinner's groan for deliverance. You have the Savior's groan in sympathy toward us. And you have the Spirit's groan to intercede for us. He says in verse number 26, Likewise the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The Spirit's sitting here and he's groaning. We're going through our troubles. We're going through our problems. The Lord goes, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You and I, you know what we get as a saved individual? We get the Holy Spirit of God stepping in. And you and I, sometimes we don't even know what to pray. I've been dealing with a situation, getting phone calls and different things and just trying to deal with it. Nothing in this church. Uh, just trying to deal and try and figure out what I can do and what uh, I need to do and how to best stay out and not do something I shouldn't do, but at the same time, be available. You say, what are you doing? I'm praying, Lord, I don't even know what, to, I don't even know what should happen. <laughs> I have no clue. It's not mine. And I don't know what to do. And Lord, I don't want to get pulled into something I shouldn't be in, so give me wisdom not to get pulled into something. But Father, I need, and I'm going, Lord, I don't even know what to ask you to do. <laughs> you ever been there? I don't even know what to ask you to do. <laughs> I, Lord, I don't know what's right. All I know is I need you to do something and tell me what to do because I don't know what to do. 
Uh, Lord, uh, this situation is so dire to me, I don't, words can't even form what is happening in my brain. My brain will not function and actually put together the words that need to be there to be able to convey to you how much I need you. And the Spirit goes, I'll take care of that. I'll take care of that. Have you ever sat down and knelt down or whatever, you're in prayer and you're there with the Lord and you're just quiet because you just don't know what to say? And you're just there and you know He's there. And in sympathy, he's groaning, and the Spirit's on the other side, and he's groaning. And he's giving groanings which cannot be uttered. And you and I can't even frame, our mind can't even frame the problem. It can't even put into words and to put into context what, you'd, what you would even ask for, because you go, I'm overwhelmed. The Lord says, that's okay, my Spirit's letting me know what we need to do here. And I'll take care of it. Aren't you glad you've got a spirit that will intercede for you that knows better than you about what God would want and how he'd want it and what he can do and the power that he has because there's a God in heaven who can hear you and was willing to answer you and is willing to take time to go ahead and let you come before the throne of grace and find mercy and grace to help in time of need. It's an amazing God. And we may be groaning and the spirit is groaning for us. And he's saying the things you and I could never say. Because we just don't know what to do. And the Lord says, that's okay, I hear you. I hear you, I'm groaning with you. Lord, I don't know. I've knelt down and I've been praying and I've thought, Lord, I just don't know. And I've said, I don't know, I don't know how many times to him. Just in a row, Lord, I don't even know. I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And he says, don't worry, I know. I know. I know what we're going to do. And don't worry, I'm the God of all comfort. I'm with you in my sympathy. I'm growing with you in my sympathy. But I already know I'm about to raise Lazarus. Don't worry, I'll pray here in just a second and we'll get this all taken care of. That's the God that you have. That's the amazing portion. We may be groaning and we may be struggling, but he's with us in our struggle. But he's got the answer. He has the solution. He's the deliverer. He is the one who comes in sympathy, knowing what he's about to do. He intercedes for us by his spirit on our behalf, knowing that one day you and I are not going to be staying here for very much longer. He says in verse 22, right here in this chapter, For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now, and not only they, but ourselves also which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. Say, what is that? That's the saint's groan right there. That's the saint's groan. Say, what's he doing? He's groaning, he's groaning, waiting. Going, Lord, can't it be over? Can't it be done? Can't we go ahead and get this over with and you take me on home? I am ready to be fully emancipated right here. Say, what is that? Totally freed. 
You and I, I talked about it at the beginning, we're sinful people. Even though we're saved, we sin, we fail, we are, we are just frail as human beings can be. And God says, don't worry, one day, one day, you're going to have to worry about that ever again. One day, it's not going to be the question of whether you're holding by sin. I set you free from it for all of eternity. And when I sound a trumpet, that flesh that keeps bothering you, that flesh that keeps hanging on to the sin that, you want, that it wants to do, that sin that keeps pulling you down and acting and pulling you away from me, that thing's going to be laid aside. And I'm going to go ahead and give you a new body fashioned like onto my glorious body. And for all of eternity, you're going to have a wonderful time with me and would never be separated again. And the earnest expectation of the inheritance is coming. Our expected end is that our sin has already been taken care of and one day God is going to go ahead and finish the transaction and the full adoption process is going to be completed and you and I are not only going to be the sons of God in this life, we're going to be the sons of God for all of eternity, never to fail Him again. You say, what are we waiting for? Just waiting for the day we get fully taken home. I don't know about you, I'm groaning for that. I'm groaning for that. Some days it's groaning because I'm hurting. <laughs> right, Brother Don? <laughs> and give me a new body, I don't have to, I don't have to hurt anywhere. <laughs> no more sorrow and no more pain. The former things get passed away. He says, hey, uh, you know what? Sometimes we groan because we're sinners and we don't want to keep sinning. And the Lord says, don't worry. One day, Lord, I don't want to fail you. I'm tired of failing now. I wish I wouldn't fail you. And the Lord says, don't worry. One day. One day you'll never fail me again. One day I'll take you home. You don't have to worry about ever failing me. Lord, I'm tired, of the, I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of all the things the world does and the, the ridiculous thought processes that they have. I'm tired of all the things that they're doing and the wickedness and looking around and seeing all the stupidity of what's going on in our country as well as in our world. I'm tired of looking at it. I'm tired of seeing it. I'm tired of a news program. I'm tired of everything. The Lord says, don't worry. One day, you have to worry about this world. This world will pass away and you'll just come up here. Don't worry, by the way, don't worry, one day I'm going to melt the elements with a fervent heat. We're just going to start over anyways. Lord, I'm, I'm tired. I'm just tired. I'll come up here, you'll have rest forever. You're just tired? Tired of the world? You're tired of you. You're tired of the devil. You're tired of watching people fall and fail. You're tired of watching what the world is going to. You're tired of watching the devil gain victories in places you never thought he'd gain a victory. You're tired of watching it over and over again. The Lord just says, don't worry. Don't worry. There's a day coming. You may be groaning today, but hope's going to become sight. You may be groaning today, but don't worry. Victory is coming just around the corner. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. I know one thing. I'm not getting separated that day. Whether it's a trumpet sounding or whether i got to go, go home and be buried in the dirt, one or the other, you and I are going to be fully emancipated and you and I will be taken to a place where we never have to be holding with the cords of sin ever again. We won't have to deal with sin. We won't have to deal with the world. We won't have to deal with the devil. 
Our flesh will have no more hold and you and I will have a great victory because of Jesus Christ, our Savior. I hope you're groaning today, at least for that last one. I hope you're groaning today going, Lord, could it be today? Can't we go home today? Isn't it going to be a wonderful day when you finally get to see him? I think it's amazing, and I know I've said this before. I just, I can't get over the thought. Maybe you can't, I can't get over the thought. You realize how terrible we are. All right, I know how wicked I am. To allow me to step into a sinless heaven is amazing enough. To forgive me and not put me in a lake of fire is even more amazing. And then on top of that, he goes ahead and lets you stay here and talk about him. And tell everybody else how amazing he is to you. And then the one you've bragged about for however long it is that you've been saved and however long it is you're willing to talk about him and all the days that you, and all the times and all the people that you've told how wonderful it is to have a savior and they look at you like you're crazy because they've never met him, but you've met him. But that day you get to be face to face with the one you talked about. The one you bragged about. The day that you finally get to go, hey, I finally get to see the one who gave all for me. The one who delivered me. The one who groaned in sympathy with me. The one who intercedes on my behalf. And the one I keep looking for in expectation of my emancipation. I finally get to see him. Maybe this morning... You've been groaning. And you've been groaning and groaning and groaning. And you feel like the Lord is not hearing. I want you to know He's hearing. He may not be working as fast as you like. But since when has God ever been on your timetable? So it's okay. It's okay. He's still working. You know he wasn't on Job's timetable. Job had to answer him real quick. But Job knew God was still working. He looks all around. He looks to his left. He looks to his right. In front of him. Behind him. He doesn't see him. Can't figure out. Doesn't know where he is. But he knoweth the way that I take. The truth is God still knows. He knows if you're in here this morning and you're struggling with sin. He knows if you're in here this morning and you're a lost man on your way to a devil's hell for all of eternity. He knows. But he also knows that he came to deliver you. He sent the Lord Jesus Christ. He came in the body of flesh to come and to redeem you and I. Pay for all of our sins. And he did it so he could be in sympathy with you. And groan with you in your troubles and in your trials, in your prayers and intercede on your behalf, knowing that you'd be groaning for a day, you get to go home and see him. If you're in here this morning without Jesus Christ, in a moment we're going to stand here and we're going to sing an invitation to him. I'm going to ask you to come. If you don't know that you're born again, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you don't know that, 
hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop moving all over. Now's not time to put everything away. This is the most serious statement I'm about to make. Just because I said I'm I'm, I'm calling an invitation doesn't mean we pack it in. I'm not done. And the Lord's not done. All I hear is people rustling and shoving. It's the most important statement I'm about to make. If you're in here this morning and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, the Lord wants to deliver you for all of eternity. The Lord wants to save you forever and have your sins washed forever. He wants to save to the uttermost. That's what he came to do. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, in a moment we're going to sing, will we all be standing? I'm going to ask you to come. Maybe some folks will be down praying. Folks who are saved, I'm going to ask you to come and get my attention. Come and get my attention. So that I can have someone, if, if not myself, have someone show you from a Bible that your sins are forgiven forever according to what God says. And he'll take you forever. He'll save you forever. He'll deliver you forever. Say, so, yeah, those Christians, though, they don't live quite right. I know. We're human beings, too. We needed a Savior. We needed a Savior. And maybe there might be some that come this morning, that they're They're struggling. They say, Lord, I'm not getting a victory right over here. That doesn't make them any less saved. They've asked Jesus to be their Savior. Don't let our failures be part of the reason that you don't come to a Savior. That'd be a great tragedy. Christian, if you're in here this morning, the Savior's with you. He's groaning with you. He's with you in sympathy. He's with you in intercession. He's with you waiting. And He's saying, hey, just hold on. You keep fighting, don't worry, I'm coming. I'm co- there is going to come a day where you will come up and spend all of eternity with me and the troubles of this life will be wiped away. Praise the Lord, one day we're going and it's going to be over with. Let's go ahead and stand. I don't know what Brother Andrew's going to have us sing here in a moment, but you need to just come up and talk with the Lord, whether it's troubles or whether it's just thank Him. Thank Him that He's so abundantly good to you. Or maybe just come down here and go, Lord, I'd love it if today you came. I'd love it if today you came. I'm anticipating a day a trumpet's going to sound and I get to go. I hope you are. I hope that last groan is the one that the Christian is holding on to groaning in this life going Lord could you just come back today can you take me home today maybe you haven't loved as appearing the way you are but if you're in here and you've never asked Jesus to be your savior I'll ask you to come again come and let us show you from a bible you can know your sins are forgiven forever Father I pray you would bless the invitation help us Lord to be able to Remember that our groanings are there, but Father, you're there in all our troubles. Lord, we pray you would bless our day. Come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen.